Hello and welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am your host, Max Batillo. Thank you for joining me on this crazy week in sports and uh, the NFL. I mean, there is just so much to get to today. I, I've i contemplated doing maybe two episodes this week. I mean, just w- what's happened in the last week and yesterday, uh, Monday was just crazy. Um, there's so much, so many moves happening and, and so much player movement and, and kind of what that means as a trickle down is just fascinating to see because this is shaping how our season is going to come together next year. And it's all just taking shape slowly and each move doesn't happen in a vacuum. It does, it, it all has repercussions throughout the league. You know, one guy gets a certain amount, it means another guy wants that amount or more. It, it all has these effects, these teams losing big players, talented players moving on. They can't afford, some teams can't afford certain guys, some teams can, and it all affects on, on who needs to do what. And so we're going to try to break everything down for you guys and, and get through kind of what the biggest moves are and the most impactful moves because, I mean, there's tons of players switching teams and, and being signed and there's a lot of money moving around. The CBA got done. The players signed. Um, only half of them agreed on it. We might get to that a little bit today, but we have to focus on what's the most important but one thing is that salary cap that the players agreed on, uh, the NFL uh, didn't have as much money as they thought they were going to have. A lot of teams were counting on the salary cap being about $205 million, and actually it ended up being $198 million. And this affected a lot of those teams that are really tight on the cap that maybe haven't managed their money very well. Uh, the Cowboys, the the Rams, the Vikings, teams like that, and they had to account for that. So that that you know seven eight million dollars that they expected in the cap to come didn't come, and we might get to the CBA a little today. Maybe in next week's episode, there are some things that we need to get to. But first and foremost, it's these free agent moves. And I know that's what we're all uh, excited about. So let's just jump right into that. So Monday kicked off the first wave of free agency. And there's basically three or four waves, they call it, of free agency, where the first wave is basically the biggest biggest names you're going to hear, the really high-priced guys that uh, barely just stay on the market. And the next wave is going to be guys who maybe don't have quite as... It's just based on interest levels. And these waves can go weeks. And, you know, the fourth wave of free agency is a lot of guys maybe you never even heard of. But that's kind of where you can snag some guys that are going to be cheap because maybe teams didn't really jump on them and didn't really want them that much. So the price slowly goes down as these waves go by. And so if you are going to jump into the first wave of free agency, you are going to have to pay a premium. 
because all these other teams are bidding on these players. And so you're most likely going to be overpaying uh, when you enter and sign guys right off the bat because you are in that bidding war. And I mean, I think most teams, if you're smart, I mean, you're better off waiting till maybe the next wave, you know, depending on your needs, if you really are desperate, you might need to bring in a star or two and you're going to have to pay a premium for that. But you're better off if you can to wait a little longer and try to get these guys a little cheaper uh, because your chances of getting a value for you know overpaying on some of these guys, it, it gets lower. Your value chance gets lower when you do in this first wave. And so, you know, you you got to wait for these guys to be a little more reasonably priced. And the only position group, I mean, with our philosophy that I would be willing to overpay for would be the offensive lineman. And really the main one I've seen uh, that I liked was the, um, the Browns getting Jack Conklin. I thought that was a good pickup for him, for them, but they did pay a lot of money for him uh you know it's is a high premium uh because a lot of teams really wanted him and so he ends up getting um three years 42 million which uh you know is he's an offensive tackle and i I mean he's a good one and he's proven i just think your chances of getting that type of guy in the draft are kind of slim even though this is a good tackle draft so some teams i think may be counting on that but i just think that bringing in young linemen is kind of hit or miss so linemen i could understand paying a premium for offensive linemen but the rest of the positions honestly i would probably wait till the next couple waves of free agency and i think that's what you see a lot of the smartest teams doing and then there's what you have to do with the players you already have, extensions you can make. Uh, there's a lot of benefit franchise tags. But, I mean, the biggest moves so far, you know, obviously the moves with the most impact are going to involve the quarterbacks. Those have biggest impact on team success, of course, is, is who your quarterback is going forward. And there's such a trickle-down effect to where these quarterbacks move. You know, there's 32 teams and there's only so much room for these guys to go. And so these spots start to get filled and these teams start to appoint who's going to be their leader for the future, at least for this coming season. I would say the number one like most interesting news was that the Cowboys did decide to franchise tag uh, Dak. And that was big because... You don't see a guy after his first four years get franchise tagged. Uh, It just doesn't happen. I mean, even Ryan Tannehill got a long-term deal with the Titans, and he got $29.5 million a year. And, I mean, the difference between Dak and Tannehill to me is there's not a big difference. It's negligible. I mean, one could be better than the other to me. And so that would be an appropriate number. I, I think that the Titans giving Tannehill 29.5, that's that's pretty pricey for me. I would much rather 
you know, trade him or or just focus on drafting a guy because that that's a steep price for four years and you know there's some guarantees in there you're gonna be tied up with Ryan Tannehill now but Dak he's getting I I agree with Dallas in that they shouldn't have paid Dak a long-term deal I just think it's silly that Dallas is just latching on to him for another year. They're basically hedging their bet because they're not committing one way or the other. Either he's going to be your quarterback of the future or he's not. You got to either sign him to a long-term deal and go all in on him or trade him or, or move off him. And we've been saying that for a long time. And now, just they did franchise tag him, which gives Dak thirty three million this year, but it's only for one year, so Dallas is not tied to him, and they could still trade him. So that is something we could look to seeing. That would be ideal for Dallas if they could trade and get something for Dak, at least a first round pick, if not more, and. That would be the smart thing to do. I don't think that's what Dallas is going to do. I think they're they are afraid, and I mean Dak, he he's been with them for four years. I mean, what at what point do you think he he's going to get better than what you've seen from him in four years? I mean, how could he get that much better? If anything, he's going to get worse because they're paying out a big money to other guys, and they're going to end up losing players and. We'll get into the Cowboys a little more later, but their roster, you're going to start to see it slowly deplete until all of a sudden you're looking around and, wow, all we have is Dak now and we can't win a game. And so that that's what's going to end up coming around to bite them. They, were, they would be much better off moving off Dak and filling in with a nice athletic rookie quarterback. I mean, you can find him in any round. I think in this draft, there's, there's tons of guys out there. And so that's what we would do. That's what maximum sports would do. Um, we'll get back to that kind of as we go along through this episode, but I think number two biggest impact is Tom Brady. He announced today that he will not be returning to the Patriots and that just kind of moves like where he's going to go. Uh, we'll move some jostle some other guys around, but apparently it's the Chargers, the Buccaneers, and that those are the two main teams being talked about. I think he ends up with the Chargers probably. I don't think he really wants to go to Tampa Bay, but that's just kind of more of a hunch. Um, so he him moving it creates an opening in in New England, and to me it's pretty shocking. I think that. Basically, Bilicek told him that he he must have told him that he's not really uh, gung ho on him coming back. Basically, I don't think he's like saying you can't come back. But Belichick's like, hey man, you're gonna be forty three years old. I, we have to move on. And just like I say that Dallas needs to move on from Dak, Bill Belichick's saying hey, you kind of showing a little decline here, Brady. Like you didn't play that well last year. And we want to move into our future, and it, you got to be aggressive. You got to you got to move. You can't stagnate just because of 
nostalgia in this league. You got to move on when you have to, and you got to be ahead of the curve. And Patriots have always been really good at that. Seeing players who are starting to decline and moving off them, even when people think it's early, you move off them and you get to have that fresh start and that money. So it's going to be interesting to see how New England fares after not having Brady. But, and it's also going to see, we're going to see how Brady fares without New England. So that's going to be fascinating for this upcoming season. I mean, I could even see Brady retiring. I mean, he's old. It's just, it's just, uh, it's tough. I mean, I know his last throw was a pick six and that's hard to swallow, but I know the guy's a great competitor. He wants to keep going. Brett Favre wanted to keep going too. And I mean, we'll see if he ends up with the Chargers. He's going to have to compete with Mahomes for that division. It's going to be tough sledding. You know, it's just sometimes you got to just move on, you know. Number three, I mean, the biggest news today on Tuesday, you know, the, the Panthers came out with an article that said uh, Cam Newton and Panthers agree to uh, trade talks for Cam. And then there's an article or at least a tweet, something from Cam saying, no, we never talked. And so it's obvious the Panthers are moving off Cam Newton. And then uh, about an hour later, we get an article that the Panthers are going to sign Teddy Bridgewater. And so this is an appropriate move. You get Bridgewater at a, a good price. Um, I'm trying to look that up right now. Um, Teddy Bridgewater will be... Oh, the, I, we don't have the details exactly of the contract, but I think it was a, around a three-year deal. And I, I like that. I think Bridgewater can, you know, be your bridge quarterback in a way. We've talked about that. He's kind of a journeyman guy you still go draft a guy that you're going to develop. If you're the Carolina, I think you still go draft for um, your future quarterback because I think Bridgewater is, you know, he's kind of in the Dak, Tannehill, Cousins range of guys that you should be not paying maximum money to, but guys who can win games for you in the meantime while you do find the guy of your future. And for Cam Newton, it just it's just run its course. You know, he, he's kind of had a lot of ups and downs in his career. And it's just, you, you can, uh, they get, they're going to trade him and they'll probably get, um, decent picks for him. I mean, he might go for a first round pick. It depends how desperate some teams are or, or where cam is in his career, but he's still a talented guy. I would put him, you know, he's probably in the, uh, t- top, you know, 15 quarterbacks range. He's not, you could definitely do a lot worse than Cam, I think. And he can move still. He's taken a lot of hits over the years. He's, he's gotten broken down a little bit, I think physically. And, you know, he comes with some baggage a little bit with his antics. And I think he's matured maybe a little over the years, but how much he loves football truly is a question. We'll see where, where Cam ends up. But that's a trickle-down for that. I mean, you know, number four, I think Tannehill, he gets a 29.5 uh, from the Titans. And 
you know, he had a good playoff run. He beat the Patriots in New England. And, you know, he's uh, one game away from the Super Bowl, you know. And so those teams, uh, the Titans are basically going to, going to try to uh, roll out what they had last year, and they wanted Tannehill. I probably would have just, um, if he would have gone for less money, maybe keep him, but that that's a little too expensive for me, uh, 29.5 for Ryan Tannehill. And then you have Kirk Cousins. It's just, just it, the Vikings are funny. You know, they. I heard Colin Cowherd saying that everyone in Minnesota is just too nice. And I think the Vikings are just way too nice with Kirk Cousins. And they gave him a two-year, uh, $33 million a year extension. And it's just so funny because you look at... Also, Drew Brees got a two-year extension. And he's taken 25 a year. Drew Brees, who has not shown decline and who is a Hall of Famer. And who wins a lot. He's getting 25 a year. And Ryan Tannehill's getting 29 and a half. And Kirk Cousins is getting 33 a year. Which is bonkers to me. And what's next? I mean, Jimmy G will probably get 40 now. And so all these things have a trickle down. All these extensions. These teams, they're just afraid. They're afraid to take the path of aggressiveness they're afraid to be the chiefs who took the path of path of aggressiveness they're afraid to be the ravens who were aggressive who cares if he's a rookie bring him in we'll build our offense around him he's a great athlete we can make do you know all these guys who are on rookie deals those teams weren't afraid and these teams that are running off of fear of losing a quarterback who's average to below average they're going to be stuck in mediocrity basically and i think that's the vikings and that's dallas and that's the rams and that's probably going to be the niners future also when you're average but you're paying for big we all know we've talked about it plenty of times but the the vikings just keep on doing it and it's not it's not a recipe for success uh the vikings you know, they traded Stefan Diggs, they couldn't afford him. It's good to unload a, a expensive wide receiver. That's great. But Stefan Diggs, I mean, he's going to be, he's basically a cap casualty, couldn't afford him. And they think Adam Thielen is a good wide receiver. They kept him and he's highly paid too. But he's not going to be half as good without Diggs commanding double teams and the Vikings are going to deteriorate a little bit. Their defense is getting old. They can't afford guys. And paying Kirk Cousins a two-year extension for $33 million a year shows me that they don't really... They don't have the guts to really improve. And they're just going to be stagnant. And so, you know, another... We're going to see where Rivers ends up. I'm thinking it's going to be the Colts, Phillip Rivers... He's going to be playing against uh, behind a good old line. He's pretty old. He's shown a lot of deterioration, throws a lot of picks. So I don't know if that's going to be the best signing for them, but but we'll see. You know, he could still end up retiring. Um, 
So those are kind of the quarterbacks, quarterback movement so far. A lot of trickle-down effect from that. And we'll talk about it more in depth as episodes go on. But the next most impactful moves, I would say, I mean, the, the Ravens' defense is setting up to really improve that much more on what they even were last year, which was a great defense. And they bring in Calais Campbell for a, what was his seventh round pick? And I just think uh, <clears throat> it was a a fifth round pick that they got for Jacksonville, which is nothing for Calais Campbell, who's a dominant, dominant defender from Jacksonville. And he's getting a little old, but I mean, they're not, they're not going to be um, tied to him for too much money. So it's just a great deal. And then they get Michael Brockers from the Rams. Rams can't afford anyone. And so they, all these teams are just going to pick the Rams apart and sign all their good players. And sure enough, Michael Brockers, great defensive tackle. He's on the Ravens now too. They have Michael Udon, uh, who they um, franchise tagged, also defensive end. So the Ravens are looking stout on defense. And uh, so that is interesting for the Ravens. Um, The Colts um make a big splash um they acquired DeForest Buckner from the Niners and this is pretty interesting because the Niners had Buckner under contract for next year uh but they trade him for um a 13th pick in the first round which is a, a great pick to have for the Niners, they can get younger if they want on that defensive line. But they sign Eric Armstead to a, a huge deal. And to me, I mean, DeForest Buckner is a far better player than uh, Eric Armstead on their defensive line. So it's interesting to me that they chose uh, him. And, you know, Armstead's getting... Uh, 17 a year now and you can kind of see the Niners are strapped uh, for cash and they have to make these sacrifices on certain players Um, so letting Buckner go I mean that that's going to be a big hit to their defensive line and these are going to this is going to start to happen as time goes on because the Niners are are going to be stricken by their cap and so I mean they get they keep Eric Armstead, which is he's decent, but DeForest Buckner was uh much probably their second best defensive lineman behind uh, Nick Bosa. I mean one you know interchangeably. I mean Buckner could have been their best defensive uh player and that now he's gone. So you you can't keep everyone. And I do uh, the Niners kept uh safety Jimmy Ward, which is a nice deal for nine million a year, but that's another guy that's paid, and so you you know you 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 the Niners are becoming more and more limited. For the Colts, I like them getting Buckner. He's a proven defensive lineman, and they need to bolster their defense. He's probably going to be better than who you would get at the thirteenth pick. So I don't mind 
that trade. But they are paying Buckner. He's getting $21 million a year, which is a lot of money. So the Colts better have picked right, and we'll see. To the Rams, I mean, the Rams, it is it was so predictable. But, you know, they're bleeding players. And you got to remember a couple years ago, everyone was saying, how do the Rams have so much money? Like, which salary cap are they using? And the answer was they didn't have that money. And it was poor organization of a cap. I mean, they were, like, recklessly aggressive. And this is what happens. I mean, when you're, first and foremost, your quarterback isn't worth even half of what you gave him, Jared Goff. You know, it's not. And he's making, I think he's the third highest paid quarterback in the league. And, you know, so you can say goodbye to Michael Brockers. You can say goodbye to Corey Littleton. Probably one of their, after Aaron Donald, he, Corey Littleton might have been their best defensive player. And he's going to the Raiders now. Couldn't afford him. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Marcus Peters. Traded him off. He ended up being, you got Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey played like crap for the Rams down the stretch. And there Marcus Peters goes and and is on a, you know, great Ravens team. And he played great for them. And, you know, the linemen they've lost, Saffold goes to the Titans, has a great season. And the, the craziest thing of all with the Rams is that you paid Todd Gurley. And he he's not good anymore. You owe him $17.5 million this year. And the word is now that they're trying to trade him. And nobody wants him. And if they can't find a trade partner, they're going to cut him. They can't afford it. It's a total disaster. Everyone saw it coming. I mean, I don't know what they were doing. They At least they did make it to the Super Bowl. But that organization, I mean, it's going to keep deteriorating. The Rams are, are in for trouble. And I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to figure it out. But this is what happens when you're reckless. And you can't just sign all these guys and give all your money away to just anybody. Todd Gurley was not worth it. But you were too scared to move off him because he was a big name. But he's a running back. They don't work. They don't. And you don't give them second contracts. You just don't. As hard as it may be, kids in your stands are wearing his jersey. They love him. It doesn't matter. He's not going to be good after four or five years. He's deteriorated. And there's so many more like that. This is the future of the Rams are what's going to be for the Cowboys in the years ahead and the Vikings for the years ahead. Poorly managed salary caps, poorly managed rosters, giving everyone all the money, giving players that don't deserve it the money. And I think probably the Niners will end up that way too because these guys, they're just desperate and they 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 overthink the, the room on guys and they don't make the moves that are required to stay good and stay cheap and I'll tell you, like, you move off Gurley. Or, uh, yeah, Gurley, but you also move off Goff. Don't be afraid. 
replace him with one of those rookies. They're all fine. They're good. And Sean McVay, if you're such an offensive guru like everyone thinks you are, why can't you just have a cheap quarterback forever? You make the offense work. You made it work with Goff for one year, and he was awful the rest of the years. So don't be afraid. Just just make the moves. Make the moves you got to make. Um, you know, the Vikings, like we talked about, Stephon Diggs, you know, he's a wide receiver. Wide receivers, a lot like running backs, they're big names, but really the impact they're going to have, who knows? There's so many good receivers. You're better off just drafting one. But the Bills, they went and got Diggs, who the Vikings couldn't afford anymore. And, you know, like I said, Thielen, he's not going to be half as good without Stephon Diggs. You know, Stephon Diggs is a much better player than Adam Thielen, and he was probably commanding a lot more attention on the defensive from the defenses. And so you got Kirk Cousins. Hopefully he can make it happen. He hasn't shown that he has before, but now they're even more limited. Arizona gets uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's probably probably one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. And the Texans traded him for uh, David Johnson, who the Cardinals also paid huge money, just like Gurley, paid around the same time. And now they're trading David Johnson. And there's no way that the Rams are going to get anyone like DeAndre Hopkins um, if they traded Gurley. But somehow the Texans take took David Johnson and some draft picks and gave up DeAndre Hopkins, which is just uh, pretty shocking. And David Johnson is another paid running back who just fell off a cliff. Don't pay running backs. Just don't do it. And so the Cardinals, you know, they're starting to build a little something. They, uh, they've got some offensive weapons to go with their, their rookie quarterback. And why? How can they afford offensive weapons? Well, it's because they have a rookie cheap quarterback. It's just amazing how that happens. And so look for the Cardinals to take some steps forward this year. They're not going to be um, the doormat of the NFC West like they have been. They might, I mean, the Rams might end up there. We'll see. But the I kind of like what the Cardinals are doing. And I know DeAndre Hopkins is expensive, but... He's a great player, and you can't afford him right now because you're not paying the quarterback. It's nice that way. Um, Dallas, Dallas, uh, they pay Ezekiel Elliott. They pay Jalen Smith, all these guys early. And then they don't pay Dak, but they pay their wide receiver $20 million a year. He's going to be one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league, Amari Cooper. And Dallas is just a weird, oddly ran organization. They never know what what they're focused on or what they're going to do. They lose their top cornerback, Byron Jones. They can't afford him because they prioritized a wide receiver over him. Amari Cooper, I heard a lot of guys on a lot of, a lot of analysts, a lot of people don't think Amari Cooper is a number one wide receiver. And just the fact that they even think that, like like we say all the time, if it wasn't a question, people wouldn't be questioning it. 
a lot of people don't think he's a, a number one wide receiver on a team. Like he's not the number one target. He he would be a good number two. And so to pay him not only like your number one wide receiver, but one of the top number one receivers in the entire NFL, it's a joke. And I don't think Dallas, they must not have a good internal scouting department. They should have let Amari Cooper go. And we don't we don't really pay wide receivers, obviously, but... I mean, um, we definitely don't pay Amari Cooper $20 million a year. And that's a five-year contract. You guys are going to be... The, the, the future of the Cowboys, you can just forget it. I mean, it, it, they, are, they are gone. I don't think they're going to win more than eight games in next year. I, I don't know when. They're going to be in cap problems. Their offensive line, they'll start to lose guys. And they have all this money tied up in these running backs and wide receivers. And they just don't prioritize the right positions. So I think it's an awful choice, but we'll see how it pans out. They're going to try to roll out the same team Dallas is. They're going to try to roll out the same team that couldn't even win the NFC East, which is easily the worst division in the NFL last year. They had an easy schedule. I mean, you got four games against the Giants and the Redskins, and you can't win more than eight games. And then you're playing the Eagles, who just had a totally deteriorated roster. You couldn't even beat them. So you're just going to roll out the same guys again, not get any better, except now you're just paying all those guys. It's hilarious. I mean, I feel bad for Dallas fans. I know they have a big following. It's not it's not going to get better for a while. So a couple years out, even in the NFL, where teams can go from worst to first really quickly, when you've allocated that much money to guys that don't deserve it, it's going to lock you in. You're going to be locked into mediocrity, and that's that's the future for Dallas. So that... We will get into, uh, that's pretty much going to be our show for today. Um, th- there's uh, other things going on. Um, in next week's show, I want to talk about the CBA. Um, we'll have time to talk about those things. This this week was a really busy week, and uh, we don't want to go into, um, we only have so much time. And so we'll get into, um, we still have to talk about our draft teams coming up. We got to talk about the Falcons, the Cowboys, and the Eagles next. And we'll get to those teams. Um, But for this week, just covering all these moves, um, it's pretty fun to see all these uh, interactions happening. Um, And there's more to come. So we'll see how the next waves of free agency do. There's still some big money guys coming up. And so that'll be fun to see. But I hope everyone's staying healthy out there, um, taking care of themselves. And tune in next week. And everyone take care. And thank you for joining us.